Hello authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. authors. I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is with Nat A. Moore and Kathy Tasker about their course run through the Australian Writers' Centre Presenting to Kids. And our chat is largely based around their experiences with presenting to kids and the topics covered in their fabulous course from discovering your brand and presenting it accordingly. Presenting and book sales as one entity, breaking down presenting to kids at age groups and year levels, the technical side presenting, book launches, social media, the business side of presenting, how to get your books to events, Nat and Kathy's best and worst parts of presenting and so much more. So in my author adventure this week, I opened my inbox, as many of you would have, and read an article from the Australian Society of Authors, the ASA, and it was a summary of the Australian book industry conference, which is called Book Up. I haven't actually ever heard of it before, but it sounded like a great industry conference for booksellers offering insights into reading research, trends in book pricing for trade publishing, and urgent issues facing the publishing industry. So you may be thinking, well, I'm an author, I'm not a publisher, I'm looking to traditionally publish, so these facts don't affect me. Or if, like me, you independently publish part of your work, then these topics, it doesn't matter what way you publish. If you're an author and you're a writer of books, how they're being sold and, you know, these types of figures, it's very important to your book business. I just, there was a couple of things I thought I'd share because I find them quite interesting. You might too. I'm not starting a weekly news segment, So don't worry about that. So the findings for children showed that 89% agreed their favourite books were ones they'd picked out themselves and unsurprisingly children that were exposed to more storybooks showed a greater inclination to read for pleasure and had more advanced literacy skills as adolescents which kind of feels obvious to me obviously if you're someone who reads to your children a lot or you put books in front of them or books is a thing that you give as presents and things like that then obviously the child is going to have that right in their their face (laughs) ultimately they might be more inclined to read and have an interest in say kids who have no literature in their house at all parents don't read it's not a thing in their house then yeah being away on this car- that caravan trip that I recently done, that the findings that showed that, you know, 89% agreed their favourite books were the ones they picked themselves. My kids are reluctant readers, although I have heavily pushed reading on them and it's something that we, I still do, I still read to them every night even though I've got a nearly 12 year old. <laughs> Otherwise she wouldn't read she's sort of trying to drop it but when we were away I kind of chose a book for them and it was a bit of a struggle to get them to read but I think, yeah, given the fact that the child has made its own choice and it's chosen a book and it's interested then 
then it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be more excited to read the book it's chose itself, I would say. So for teens, the top barriers to reading were the difficulty of choosing a good book, 61%, followed by a lack of free time, 56%. The influence of book talk was foregrounded, 68% said book talk had, had inspired them to read a book I would never have considered otherwise. So what I take from that is teenagers don't have a lot of time. There's a lot of stuff fighting for their time, technology-wise, social engagements, all that sort of thing. So books, it can be hard slog. So that's where audiobooks, I feel, is a great... My kids go to sleep listening to Borrowbox. So if you are an author who has only print and ebook formats, consider audiobooks, especially if you're writing for, say, children, a younger demographic, audiobooks are a great, great way to hit people who feel they don't have time to read. Uh, also, you know, so we all think social media is a waste of time or whatever, but yeah, it shows here that book talk, which I'm not on TikTok showing, it does, it, it, it is making a difference. And we all know the story of Colleen Hoover. She's the one that made a massive splash on book talk or whatever. So definitely going to make waves there when I feel I've got something that I want to put out there. So while there was less research available in adult readers than younger age readers, younger age groups, the findings showed that retirees are the most active participants in reading by 80% and that women are more likely to read for pleasure than men, 75% to 68%. And I would say this is probably because of the reading culture for that age group demographic and more free time from being a retiree and wanting to expand your mind on certain topics. My parent, my mum is a massive reader. She's in her 70s and also my dad picks up books now and again. He's also coming into his 70s. So as to the benefits of reading on our well-being, the research showed a 20% reduction in mortality for those who read books for at least 30 minutes a day. So that could be why the retirees are, re are reading as well. Compared to this comparison was to those who did not read. Regular readers also had lower risks of being diagnosed with depression, had improved cognitive patterns and scored lower on the loneliness scale. So there's heaps of benefits there. Obviously, you can maybe live longer. So, you know, you can slap that on your books as a slogan. Read this and add add an extra X amount to your life. Uh, I quite like that. <laughs> Trends in book pricing were also a hot topic for the day as the cost of living crisis puts pressure on retail and printing prices are skyrocketed. While there have been some movements in recommended retail prices in the children's book category, overall Australian RRPs are less than New Zealand and the United States markets and slightly higher in the UK. The average sale price across trade publishing has generally kept steady and is not keeping up with CPI increases. That's quite good there. When Australian book buyers were surveyed about their buying habits, three in five indicated they shop around for the best price, with buyers aged between 35 to 44, my age bracket, <laughs> the most likely to do so. Nevertheless, price has relatively little influence for readers when considering buying a book. The biggest influence is the author, followed by the book description, the consumer interest in the series and the front cover. So basically it's saying the packaging, who's written the book. So if they've read one of your books, they know your sort of style, they know what they're going to get. That is probably the buying mentality. They're buying an experience they've had already. It's the same as re-watching a movie over and over. You re-watch it because you got that nice feeling from it or you just, there was something about it you loved. It was an enjoyment factor. Or the way that you write your books is easy for someone to read and they gained a lot of knowledge. There's a reason why people 
people go back and back over something and back and back for more. So this is what this is saying. It's not so much say your book was, you priced your book quite high as long as it's relatively good in the market. It's not off-putting. What they're looking for is what they're interested in, basically, which makes sense. <laughs> but again, saying, you know, front cover, investing a time into your books. So just thought that was really interesting. It's good to think about the readers of your book and who they might be and how they might buy. So that can be a good selling, good marketing point for you when you're either creating your book as a whole or even just even just writing and things like that. So in my writing this week, I've been still cracking on with the women's fiction and it's just, if you've listened to the podcast the last couple of weeks, my author adventure has been very much largely around talking about procrastinating and author fears, things that are arising that I'm turning on their heads because I am someone who definitely lives with fear. I don't live in fear. I face it absolutely and if it rises I go ahead and push myself forward because I know if I don't there's regret there and that's why I harp on about it all the time. <laughs> but what is amazing in writing it has actually been an, a wicked week as in a great week because those of you who know who have finished a work and those of you who have maybe struggled with writing a work or one day it's just you had that procrastination or you have these author fears like oh my writing's great one day and the next day oh it's absolutely garbage but I had one of those mo- one of those days one of those moments where I sat down and whether that's a deadline approaching because I would like to get this women's fiction book out in September and I am choosing to independently publish it although I keep going back and forth and grappling but no I, I think I want to put this out in the world myself it just all was coming together that it was just flowing I got a hell of a lot done it felt great it felt easy it felt good it felt like I was given the words which sounds a bit spiritual but it it almost feels that way like it absolutely does because it's like it's not that I was sitting with nothing nothing but things felt quite hard hard in the last couple of weeks with the project and I, I was very not unfocused but I didn't really want to work on it on Monday and so I just worked on something else and then I was sort of annoyed at myself because I thought well you really need to be, even if you don't want to work on it you just need to get started you need to know yourself you know you just keep going but then go it's not as if I was sitting doing nothing I was into this other project so there was still productivity happening just not with the women's fiction which was my, is my main project and so that's the one that needs to be finished but then I was rewarded with this amazing um, day or days for the women's fiction so it's absolutely on the right track I'm happy where it's going any little holes that was in act one were getting filled so yeah I'll keep you up to date there I'm, I'm getting very excited about this thing I also wanted to say that sometimes writing has felt and people say you know it's a solitary work and for the most part largely it is but it doesn't have to be and you don't have to let it I'm someone who really loves my own company and I enjoy working myself I need that quiet time I like to be engrossed in something not but I also am someone who really likes to be around other people and working with people and and being quite social so I'm a bit of in between people talk about introverts and extroverts and yeah I'm one of these in the middle people so I have been out at a couple of book events uh, since I've been back in Perth you know some book launches I didn't go to the CBCA book week dinner if you are a new author and you haven't been to any events yet whether you're in Perth or Australia definitely where I am there is something on every single weekend or week or whatever whether it's workshops or someone's book launch or some sort of 
gathering get yourself out there and get along to it because the social aspect of being an author is one of the best parts about it so the interview that's coming up with Nat A. Moore and Kathy Tasker Nat is over in Perth for she's a Sydney based writer she's over in Perth for uh, book week children's book week and visiting schools and I went along to meet her last night and it was quite surreal and uh, yeah it was just it was just a great group of people as well like it's people who are doing the same things as you they're in the industry you can have a good chat it's so worth it and listening to I'm not out there doing book weeks just yet but listening to their book week stories and how busy they are and stuff like that like book week's always crazy for children's and YA authors they absolutely go hard and I just think that this is part of your business your industry is to get out there and yeah you can say network but it's really making relationships and friendships within your area and it's one of the best parts of the writing so if you're sitting at home and you're worried to go along look I've been I've been going along to these events for like the last 10 years so some of the people that were there last night who's part of squibby and uh, different groups i remember knowing who these people were but being too shy and too timid to approach them i actually was even like at an event and they were they were in front of me in the ticket line and i was too scared to be like because i don't think i'd written a book i was only new and you just you do feel a bit shy but i consider these people friends now i've been around for a long time and that's how you get to know people obviously is going out there putting yourself out there and just chatting to other people and it is just one of the best things I think about being a writer as well the social aspect and there is one get yourself out there (laughs) and put yourself out there if you haven't already yeah that's the challenge challenge is just start with one event a month make the effort because even last night it was in town and I was like oh you know always the thought of driving somewhere but then I know there's a regret there and if there's a regret there you regret it (laughs) and you can't get that moment back so always when I feel that way I push myself out there because I know it's uh, it's better to to do the, to go and have fun and do these things than, than not at all so it's a bit like presenting as well which is coming up in the interview if you are feeling fear around presenting and things like that it's exactly what I say in my author fears book we feel the fear but we do what we love anyway because if you don't there's regrets no one likes to live with regret <laughs> and these initial fears once you've you've done them they're gone because that fear's gone and then you realize you've seen on the other side of the fear actually that was not true that wasn't even there and you get over them and what was funny was one of the authors last night had said that you know the more and more that they do the book weeks and things like that the more it's just free flows like driving you know driving a car you don't forget that you just do it automatically but you're and you you're sort of on autopilot as well but still giving like the performance of your life Thorn Creative, where beautiful websites for authors are brought to life. No matter what stage you're at with your writing, your stories deserve a dedicated space to shine. Whether you're just starting out or have a bookshelf full of bestsellers, your website is the hub of your author business, binding everything you and your books offer together. Thorn Creative can nurture all aspects of redesigning your old site or start afresh from the initial design. They can provide ongoing hosting and maintenance to marketing your books online, saving you time, money, and stress trying to wrangle your site yourself. An author website built by Thorn Creative can easily direct readers to your favorite retailers, your publisher, or simply set you up to sell to them direct. The options are endless. 
Thorn Creative have worked with many authors across all genres and know what goes into good, functional working author websites to sell books. Head on over to thorncreative.com.au slash websites for authors to read author and publisher testimonials and to see what they offer and some of the sites they've created. Matt A. Moore is a Sydney-based writer who is passionate about encouraging kids to read and write and explore their imagination without boundaries. She's the author of Secrets of a Schoolyard Millionaire, The Power of Positive Pranking, The Right Way to Rock and We Run Tomorrow. Once a publisher and editor, Kathy Tasker has edited and commissioned over 800 books and now works as a creative writing teacher and freelance project manager of picture books. Kathy has worked with Australia's leading trade and children's book publishers, Magabella Books, HarperCollins Publishers, Scholastic Australia and Koala Books, and she judges literary awards for fun. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast, Kathy and Nat. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank oh, you. you are welcome. We are absolutely honoured and thrilled to have you. So we're just going to get started. How did you meet and both, you know, come to work in the creative industries, the children's and publishing? I think that's for you, Nat. Okay. Well, I, I reckon you started your career first, so you should start. And then oh, because my career my. wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you. Okay. I trained as a librarian and used to chat to an editor that came in to do research when I was at the library. And he very kindly set up an interview for me at Scholastic, where I became a book club editor. And then later I was their first children's book editor. And then I went on to do all sorts of things, including writing a course called Writing Picture Books. This is where Nat comes in. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so at this picture book course, I had the absolute pleasure of uh, running into Kathy, and we hit it off straight away, which I think a lot of people would find a little odd because we're not, we're kind of like, um, oh, who are those two guys that have the, the TV show? Come on, Kathy, the old oh, show. About Costello, for God's oh, sake. <laughs> <laughs> not who I was thinking of, but I think that's actually a great Contrast. example. <laughs> The odd couple I was thinking of. Oh, yes. <laughs> Abbott and Costello works well as well. Yeah, so I did the picture book course with Kathy and then kind of it was like love at first sight. Fell in love with this woman straight away. And then at the time I was working on my first middle grade and I begged her to be my mentor. And after months and months of hounding, she finally gave in, twisted her rubber arm. And she actually mentored me through the writing of Secrets of a Schoolyard Millionaire. And that's why that book is dedicated to the one and only. And then not only that, as Kathy tends to do when she does anything, she goes all in. So she introduced me to my, uh, well, the person who was to become my literary agent and they essentially helped me finish Millionaire and make it good <laughs> so that I could send it to publishers. And that was the beginning of what has now been a, what, six, seven year friendship. Also, that's sort of what, well, that friendship and that talking and that kind of creative and professional development between us is what led to us creating this course together as well. Oh, that's amazing. It sounds like you guys have had lots of fun and you're both in Sydney. Are you near each other or not <laughs> stop really. each other? <laughs> <laughs> We're not close enough as I would like to be but we're probably far enough away that makes Kathy happy because I don't hound her every single day. <laughs> Professional distance, right, Kathy? Oh, no, it's fine. I'm working on getting the people next door to move. 
<laughs> yeah, she wants me to buy next to her. <laughs> I think she thinks I could pump out four books a year if, if I lived next to her. <laughs> you never I know. Do. I do. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, well, like you said, Nat and Kathy, you both are the creators of the course Presenting for Kids, which is currently running by the Australian Writers' Centre. So obviously working together on books and mentorship and things like that, how did the, a course come out of this? And please well, tell us about it. <laughs> that's my fault because right from the beginning, I always saw it as part of my job because I understood how um, promotion and sales and writing more books of good quality works together. And so I always saw it as my job to brief my authors on what was expected out there in the big wide world and promotion and school visits as school visits especially it's another income stream for them and it lets them give up their day job and write more that's my agenda and so presenting to kids is a passion of mine and I've seen talks and launches go badly when nobody knew what to expect and so that's why I focused on the book business in the course you see that that's our presentation queen but i focused on the business side and getting prepared yeah i think like we were a great combination because from my point of view being obviously much newer to the industry than kathy is i was a bit lucky because of my background in entertainment and emceeing and stuff like that i think i fell into the presenting to kids part quite easily and naturally although i didn't really know what you were supposed to do in the presentation i was like i'm sure i'm going to be great at it but what do i actually do for an hour when i'm in front of them and i and you know but i quickly found my feet after doing a few of them but once one of the things that I found talking to other new or aspiring authors but particularly ones that had their first book coming out they had nowhere to go for help and not everybody can wing it or feels comfortable or is as confident and as, as I was and so I had a lot of authors saying yeah like I'm I'm just supposed to do a presentation but what do I do and and what's the difference with the age groups and how long do I go for and what do I talk about and how do I do a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> what font do I use you know it's this never-ending kind of cascade of dilemmas and questions and so I was always kind of trying to kind of share that information and advise authors anyway and so when Kathy came to me with this idea of putting it into something formal that people could access without having to know me. <laughs> I thought it was a great idea and it was a good combination because Kathy was really there for like the, the format of the course, the education side, the business side, like she's so good at that kind of thing. And then I could come in and be like, it's all about finding your inner personality, your brand and matching your book to your presentation style and explaining to people that they don't, you know, I'm a loud, cartwheeling, juggling, you know, clown kind of style person, but not everybody has to be that it's like kids want all kinds of books they want all kinds of presenters and so you know I spent a lot of energy and time to, sort of talking to people about how they find the, the them inside and bring that and then you have this brand that goes across your books and your presentations and you as an author and how that all works together and also like Kathy said the income stream it's not just another income stream it's not like you've got presenting and book sales and they're two separate when you present to kids when you do school visits and festivals and book launches all that feeds back into your book sales and so it ends up being this kind of ecosystem of making money selling books building your platform building your presence 
And all those things actually work together to actually create a, a career that can go on for more than one book. It's really important, I think, for authors. Absolutely. That's amazing. And how how long is the course? Like, how long has people got to take it? And is it done like over a long time of period or <laughs> at your leisure? We have the course going for 12 months. It's an on-demand course and you've got access to a huge number of videos was a 50 odd wow it's a lot of yeah. content the courses i've written are equivalent to writing a phd and just to give you a clue or a novel and so there's a lot of content and there's a lot of handouts and whatnot and you have access to it for 12 months and That's i would like to apologize in advance because that means that's that many videos of looking at my head talking to you so but you know i've been told i have an okay head so hopefully it's not too <laughs> painful um, it, but also oh sorry i was just going to say is it sort of broken down into short little videos like little chunks and stuff and different yeah things. absolutely yeah. it's not five hours of me yeah. non-stop yeah it's broken down into modules and they're broken down into like when we talk about content for presentations I break kids down by age group or year level at schools and talk about different things that work for different age groups but then it's not just it's not just presenting to kids at schools it's about you know book launches and social media and the tech side of things as well as the content it's about brand building it's got a lot in there like I was actually, by the time we got to the end of it, I was like, wow, I feel like I just gave away every single thing I've learned in the last five years. So I think it can be really helpful for people. Yeah, it sounds like value for money. Absolutely. And there just seems like there is so much to it. And and a lot of authors, probably, especially children's, you know, there's so many steps to it, obviously writing the book then getting it published. Then they're sort of hit with this side and it's another like oh you know so yeah I think as well there's obviously different presenting styles to the different children and off the top of your head being some of you know the best or the kind of awkwardest parts of presenting to kids in both of your careers so far have you had any? I have one but I'm not <laughs> out there and I'm not doing it for very good reason. Nat this is yours. But yeah okay well I guess like the best part I, mean, I was actually just saying I was in I've just come back from two weeks in Queensland and I got asked this question by one of the kids in the Q&A segment. The kids were like, one of the kids was like, what do you like best about talking to us kids? And I was like, oh, wow, I haven't ever been asked that before. But it was funny because in that particular talk, there was one moment, like I had done 16 schools, 16 presentations in a row, right? So it starts to, you know, be like I could do it with my eyes closed kind of thing. But during that talk, I was actually talking to the kids and I kind of like had this weird out-of-body experience where I looked at the kids' face and I realized that every one of them was just like wide-eyed, mouths open, or they're packing themselves laughing or they're hitting their friends or they're like almost wetting themselves and I was just like just to see an entire group of kids so engaged with someone that's talking about books and reading and so excited by it as well I think like for sure the best part is that where you have that moment where you look at a group of kids in front of you and be like I've got them I've got them all they're right here they're with me they're eating out of the palm of my hand they are on board and they are loving it like that is without the doubt the best. As far as awkward goes, I think one of the key things I would say is kids will make everything awkward. So like without fail, if you agree to stand up in front of a group of children, you have to accept that awkward is going to be a part of it. Whether they ask a weird question or like wet themselves during your talk or, and I mean, literally not like the laughing sense, but actually pee their pants during your talk, which has happened as well. I think you just kind of have to accept that that's a part of it and not let any of that throw you. So when a kid asks you, you know, how old you are or how many boyfriends do you have or whatever 
random thing they want to ask you, you don't have to answer it. You can be like funny in your answer, but just don't be thrown because they will always bring up the weirdest, most embarrassing, awkward stuff. And that's just, that's how they roll. So just accept that that's part of it and enjoy it. <laughs> oh, amazing. Do you have to sort of tell the kids, you know, questions at the end? Because they'd probably pop their hands up like left, right and centre or just call out in, in general? <laughs> yeah, I, it depends on the age group as well. Like asking preps to keep their questions for the end is like a waste of time because they've just got <laughs> stuff the whole way through. But I actually structure my older kids' talk around... What I'm going to, I say to them at the start, what I'm going to do is I'm going to answer all the questions I get asked the most during my talk. So by the time we get to question and answer time, you have to think of some better questions. And so that what that does is it literally sets up from the beginning. Not only is there going to be Q&A at the end, but you have to wait to the end to make sure that your question hasn't already been answered so you don't look like an idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a really good way of uh, uh, forcing yeah. their hand a little bit to hang off till the end. Oh, that's gorgeous. Uh, way back when I first started this podcast, I interviewed Deb Fitzpatrick. Patrick, um, if you're aware of Deb. And uh, yeah, we were chatting about school visits and things like that. And she said that there was a child, you know, a child's come up, who probably asked the same question about awkwardness and stuff and, you know, gave her a hug and said, will you be my mom? And I thought, oh my goodness, I would be a bit like... <laughs> Oh, no, I think yeah. that's cool. I'd just be like, yeah, sure. Consider Pardon. yourself adopted. Come home. Well, what, what's the rules with touching and feeling? I'd be like, rule removed. You know? Hey, there's no rules against adopting stray kids. I say do it. And when it comes to the business side, Kathy, um, of saying presenting and things like that, is that talking more about like the rates you're going to charge and how you approach schools for payment and things like that? Is that the business side of the course that well, you have put in? Yeah, we recommend just use the ASA rates. They're really reliable, the Australian Society of Authors. And but we do extra stuff like tell you how to pitch and what should what the elements of your pitch should be and how to actually create your brand. And Nat was talking before about virtually a whole person approach. And I really like to encourage people to do the course, not after they've written the book. I think they need to do it at the beginning of embarking on their writing career, because it's about creating a whole person approach to you, your talk, your persona, your brand. And you write the books that will suit your style of presentation. And so we underpin it all with solid business information. And we explain what PLR and DLR is. And we explain about booksellers and how to get the books to the event and all of those little things that you haven't thought about. And the importance of a post-it note on the <laughs> when there's a signing queue, you know, we talk about all the stuff. Yeah, that's incredible. Little things like that, isn't it, that you just don't think about, especially that, you know, the post-its notes for the names can, in my handwriting, shocking. So, <laughs> Well, good. I think also when I was talking before about the kind of ecosystem of money earning when it comes to being an author, knowing how to leverage that and make it work for you from the very beginning is so important. Otherwise, especially because sometimes the first book is the most important book and as far as like kickstarting your career and so if you know all that and you're doing everything you can and you're doing it right from the very beginning um, I think that can really really help set you off on the right 
on the right course. And a lot of people go and do the school visits and they haven't thought about how to leverage book sales from a school visit. And that's a huge missed opportunity. Like I would not sell half the books I sell if I wasn't connecting them to the school visits and the festivals that I do. So yeah, starting to think about that before the book comes out. Because once, once the book comes out, you get pummeled, right? Like you're, you're drowning in stuff. And so having went back before the book comes out when you've got a bit more time to think about those things can be a really good time to do a course like this, for example. Yeah, amazing. Oh, that's really incredible. So going back to the sort of presenting side of it, first time authors writing the book, getting their publishing deal and stepping out and they can can be a bit nervous and a bit scared of going in front of a, an audience of children, but also say teachers and, and adults and things like that at school. So do you have any advice for first time authors who are probably quite anxious in this, this type of setting? Understand the expectations. That's the really big one. The expectations of the audience, the kids, and also of the gatekeepers, the people who booked you. Because you do not want to turn up, as I did, to an infant school with a talk all targeted at middle grade. It was just information. And that's one of the things we stress in the business side of the course is to just ask the right questions when you're being booked. Mm, was that like a communication thing that sort of uh, went went down? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> But you yeah. survived. <laughs> Just. She's never spoken to kids again. <laughs> That's true. It was a disaster, a complete disaster. Oh, and well, I haven't inflicted myself on them again. Oh, so how did you feel during that, though? Were you? Did you know sort of when you were presenting or first off when you seen them, you just thought, oh, no. But you went through it and then at the end managed to get through yeah, it, I guess. I couldn't get back in my car quick enough. Oh, <laughs> poor thing. Nor could the teacher usher me to the car. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say like if you're scared of presenting the kids, I would say the fear is normal. I mean, present step talking in front of everybody, anybody is a pretty normal fear, but the fear is always greater than the reality as well. Like kids, most kids are there for it. They're happy that you're not their teacher. <laughs> you're like a new person. That's already exciting. So you already got points for that. They're wanting to be entertained. They're like little sponges, you know, depending on the age group, of course. But even older kids, they really do want something new, want to hear from somebody different. And so like, I would say go, even though you're a bit scared, it can be really fun. So don't let the kind of fear override that. But the other thing I would say is kids can smell fear <laughs> um, and they can also smell fake. So if you're going in trying to be something that you're not, that can be a really big trap to fall into because authors can go and, you know, they can go and see another author and think, wow, that was great. And then try to emulate that but that's not them. So like the reason that person is great is because they're being their authentic selves. So like it's, I think it's really important to make sure that you're being real and genuine, the real and genuine you, which should therefore represent the books as well. You know, you don't want to kind of go in there like that, 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 and then your book's this really kind of quiet, yeah. soft, <laughs> you know, like, so I think that's uh, really important. But then I think also like practice. I know it sounds weird, but force your partner to sit down and listen to your presentation. Don't just put together a PowerPoint and then the first time you actually do the full one hour presentation is when you're in front of the kids. You need to 
do it in the mirror to, you know, someone that you can just sub subject that kind of pain to because things take shorter and longer. You need to know how to adjust if you're running over or running behind. Like there's just so many elements to it that you shouldn't um, underestimate how good you should be and how it takes practice and preparation to be good. That's it. Yeah. Just building that time and that confidence and practice and, and everything would build it. Is it if you are booked for a school visit or I guess if you're booking them yourself, is it common that the children are reading your books or they've read some of your books or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Can go either way. I've had audience of kids that have never, ever heard of me, never seen my book. I've had kids that didn't even know I was author, didn't know why I was there. I don't really care, to be honest. I sort of think if, the, if no one's heard of me, that's a great opportunity for me to get them excited and everything I'm gonna, that's going to come out of my mouth is going to be news to them. Then you have kids that have been studying your book. So the whole class has read one of your books, potentially, or the teachers read it to them. And that's another whole level of awesome because then you can really dive into that particular book a bit deeper but I always email when I'm doing the contact email to the teachers I'm like one of my questions is do the kids know a lot about me have you been e reading any of my books if so which ones like this is all the stuff like Kathy was talking about the communication beforehand and setting the expectations benefits you so the more you know about what you're walking into, the better you can tailor what you're doing to them. So I don't care either way whether they've heard of me not at all or they've read all four of my books, but I do like to know because it does change the way I approach things. So that's something that's in the course, is it, Kathy? Like from the business side, like obviously – uh, writing these types of questions and stuff to the the schools like to get all the information yeah of course we try to cover everything and I'm sure we've missed something but not much doesn't sound like it <laughs> <laughs> well the course couldn't go for like you know 58 hours otherwise we'd well it could have actually actually there's so much to learn but I think we've gone further and deeper than I thought I think we even think that we thought we would in the beginning, right, Kathy? That's that's absolutely true. And it's actually helped me. Uh, I was actually always a backroom girl and I avoided the limelight always. Editor, you know, librarian, one of my careers, Elsie. <laughs> but um, doing this with Nat opened my eyes to it. And I guess now I'm just getting into my stride and all thanks to Nat. Now she's a Zoom extraordinaire, aren't you, Kathy? Uh, on my good days. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel the same, Kathy. Hence why I'm like audio first. Love to just hide behind the, you know, the camera and stuff like that. Just yeah, well, the the dark space and just the voices out there at the moment until I feel ready to put myself out there. But no, it's great advice from both of you to say from from that course as well to say you know do it now rather than wait at the end and be authentic to your presenting style as well because there is that feeling and I know a lot of authors as well they're so high energy that's them all the time though I suppose and you kind of think you have to be in front of kids and you have to be this big ball of bouncing around and but there is those quieter books I guess and the whimsical type ones as well that are more not lullaby-ish but just just being told or or read aloud a bit quiet I guess naturally as well which would be one of the brands I suppose that you're talking about well one of the questions you probably get asked all the time I'm assuming it the by the kids Nat is what has been some of the best and the worst moments when it comes to presenting for children or adults and the like and also Kathy you've told us the worst have you got any of the best <laughs> um no I never did it again oh never <laughs> I talk to adults but not to children 
I think that they're too important to risk a bad presenter. What's the difference, would you say, between adults presenting with adults and then with kids? Well, it's experience. And I don't have that much experience of little kids, except for in a literary sense. (laughs) And so Nat has that. And so that's why she's good at it. Yeah, and adults terrify me, so I'll avoid talking to adults whenever I can. Again, why we're the perfect odd couple. <laughs> like, I, I had to do a, an audience of adults the other day uh, when I was in Queensland, and I just looked out at them and I was like, look at all your terrifying faces. Like, you, <laughs> no thank you. But I would say, like, worst is always like a tech fail. So one of the warnings that I give um, in the course is that, you know, be prepared for tech fails if you're relying so heavily on your PowerPoint presentation that you will crash and burn without it, that's a big problem. Because as you go from school to school to school, things don't work. They don't know how to fix it. You don't know. I'm lucky. I'm like, I'm pretty tech savvy, but I've even been in situations where things just, they just won't work. They've just blown up and they refuse to. But even that, even when something goes wrong, you can turn it into something good. Because I remember one of mine, I was at a school, total tech fail, could not get the presentation to work at all. Had an hour with these kids kids and so I just on a whim sort of said to the class who's the best who's the best drawer who's the best drawer in your your year level and they were all like Boyd 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 and I was like all right who's Boyd meek this kid puts his hand up I'm like all right come out here and I got out pulled out a whiteboard and I was like all right I'm gonna I faced it away from the kids and put Boyd behind and I'm going to, I'm like, I'm going to tell you what's on every one of my slides and you're going to draw it for me. And then we're going to spin it around. And when I click the button. And so I was like, okay, the first slide has a, a picture of me when I was a little kid and a picture of a lunchbox. So he's drawing away and I'm talking to the kids. And then like I click it and he spins the thing around. And honestly, he'd drawn like a caricature of me when I was like eight years old. And it was so perfect. And we did the whole presentation like that with him essentially drawing all the things that would be on my presentation. And And I think it went better than a normal presentation would have gone. So I would say like tech fails can be like a nightmare if you've relied on them too heavily, but then mistakes can always lead to, you know, being a bit creative, which can be great. And then best experience, oh, definitely Sydney Writers Centre, uh, Sydney Writers Festival at Town Hall with 1,800 kids just screaming at me with excitement. It, I felt like a rock star. It felt like a rock concert, but cooler. So yeah, I'll never forget that experience. I've got videos of it and I watch it and it just gives me goosebumps. So yeah, that would be was, my favourite. Was that the most recent one? or Nope, that no. was, so I presented in the 2022 Sydney Writers Festival and we did this kind of I did this like movie mashup funny thing and the kids just went absolute bananas for it it was so cool they were so into it so yeah I think that would be my one of my best experiences uh, they were both great examples and I love how fast thinking you must have been to be like right who's the who's the best drawer have you just gone into another school and pretended you had tech fail- failure and done the same thing again or not <laughs> no because you I might have got stuck with some kid that was useless I mean <laughs> I just got really lucky that this Boyd kid was an absolute creative genius. And he was like, he was funny too. Like he had this like comic timing with his illustrations and I couldn't see them. So he'd spin them around. They'd be a surprise to me, a surprise to the kids. Like it was, it was just brilliant. Like you couldn't have scripted it better. So I've never tried to recreate it on purpose because I feel like it was like a a dual moment that will never quite be done again. No, 
that's amazing but I think you make some some good points there as well in terms of say uh you know like aspiring authors sometimes they can't think of anything else but the fear of going into schools and and other places where they've got to do author talks and talk to kids because they haven't done it yet or experienced possibly kids just grabbing onto their every word and loving what they've got to say and then being excited and that sounds what might spur you on and and leave you energized at the end to see that you've you know inspired some kids today or or whatever so just to maybe think of the end result and and everybody and keep that in your mind rather than sort of thinking about the I, I just think about going in and all these people staring at me I'm like oh my gosh no. <laughs> sounds like terrifying yeah but but it's so rewarding yeah it's so rewarding like it's just nothing there's nothing like it you're literally like changing their lives even if it's just for that day you know like it's this real moment that you dip into their lives and and dip out again and they're it's yeah there's nothing like it no one's as appreciative as kids are everybody says that they're scary and they can be (laughs) but they also if you if you do it properly there's nothing better What's the best in the sort of, not the worst, but, you know, as age groups go? Oh, I think it completely depends on who you are as an author and who you're writing for. Like, everybody has their own kind of comfort space. I love three to six. So, grade three to six is my real happy place. Obviously, same age as my books. But, like... I, and I like each one of those year levels for different reasons. I kind of like year six because they walk in and sometimes they're a bit too cool for school. So I love winning them over. I love watching the change that they go through from beginning to like middle of presentation. And I'll look at them and be like, Haha, I got ya. You know, they've, they've gone from leaning with their backs up against the wall in the back of the classroom to like leaning forward, eyes open, laughing. But then I love grade three because you walk in and they're just like, entertain me. You know, <laughs> they're just looking at you like, you know, it's ready for you. So, um, and then I, you know, four and five and everything in between. But it's completely different for different presenters. I've, you know, friends of mine love prep the most. And I love prep. I just, they're little. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm a baby person myself, I've got to say. (laughs) Like the little babes. So with the course, Kathy, can you tell us, is it like a limited time or is it going to be around at the Australian Writers' Centre for a while? Do you know? Oh, I'd like to think so. (laughs) (laughs) And then they'll ask me to revise it. I've revised a couple of my courses and... We keep things current and um, so we'll be on top of it. Don't you worry. Oh, fantastic. Well, yeah, we're massive fans of the Australian Writers' Centre here. Uh, But thank you so much, both of you, for coming on and sharing a bit about the course and your expertise. It's been amazing. Can you tell us, you know, where can we discover all your books, Nat, and and your services, Cathy, and of course the course itself? Well, my books hopefully are everywhere, I'm hoping. Bookstores, online, I've got audiobooks, e-books, physical books, the whole shebang. If you want a one-stop shop, you can go to natamore.com, which is N-A-T-A-M-O-O-R-E.com to find all my stuffs there. You can find information about me doing school visits, the whole works. Uh, and Kathy, where can we find you? I spell it all out on my website. So, or just email me actually, because every case is individual. And so that's Kathy Tasker, C-A-T-H-I-E-T-A-S-K-E-R, one word, dot com. Wonderful. Well, thank you both again. That was incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us.
So there you have it, folks. The brilliant book duo, Nat A. Moore and Kathy Tasker. I cannot wait to invest in this course when the time comes. It honestly doesn't matter where you are at in your presenting career. You can never learn enough from these powerhouse women. Nat and Kathy have buckets full of wisdom. You should check out the links. All Nat's books, of course, and Kathy's site. She's got loads of other amazing courses as well and her editing and mentor services. Their links, websites, all that are in the show notes. So check them out. Next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, it is a loner sold with me and I'll be chatting to you on your hybrid author profile and how to build balance sustaining a hybrid author career. I wish you well in your author adventure this next week. That's it for me. It's bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you're further forward in your author adventure after listening and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.